0: I'm Joy Schwartz. And I'm Natalie Siston. We are the collective Collective voice. Voice. We are two college friends who will talk about issues that impact professionals at work and in life. This is Natalie Siston,
1: and today's episode will cover networking basics. As Joy mentioned in a previous podcast, I love public speaking. And when I decided I wanted to pursue more public speaking, I asked my close friends and my husband what they thought my best topic would be. And over and over, I heard, well, you are the best networker we know. Why don't you talk about that? And even though I heard this over and over, it never really sinks into me that I am a master networker. Instead, I like to think of myself as a passionate connector. For the past five years, I've been determining what the top practices are to help individuals become better networkers, or as I like to think
0: about it, being a better connector. And this is Joy Schwartz. From a career transition standpoint, networking is still the most effective way to land a new job. According to multiple sources, approximately 70 to 80% of people receive job opportunities as a result of networking. Getting to know people on a personal level is foundational to establishing trust, When people trust you, they're more likely to make a positive association when thinking of you and more likely to help you connect to others. Whether you're an active job seeker, you're searching for new clients or customers, or you're just trying to stay current in your field, cultivating and maintaining a strong network is critical.
1: Here's what we plan to cover in this episode. We've already talked a little bit about why networking is so important. Then we're going to talk about the elevator pitch, how to craft one and when to use it, And finally, some tips on how to get personal with your network. I would describe these as the basics or the components you need to have in your toolkit to get started and to make some forward progress on your networking efforts. In future podcasts, we'll discuss tactics for actively managing and strategically mapping out your network. Joy, I'm sure in your career as a coach and recruiter, you've been asked frequently how to become a better networker. Share your best tips or stories.
0: You know, Natalie, it's funny that you mentioned that in, in those previous roles as a recruiter and then a university career coach in a career center, I think what comes to mind first is when networking has, has gone wrong. And the, the most salient example is probably from career fairs I've attended as a recruiter. Oftentimes, students would approach me with very little knowledge about the organization I worked for, where we were located, what types of opportunities we had to offer, when all of this information was readily available on the website, right? I'd also find that they weren't able to tell a compelling story about themselves, Mm. uh, to be able to articulate a compelling value proposition, what they had to offer the organization, how to briefly encapsulate their past experiences in a well-packaged way very seldom did I encounter a student who did that really effectively. And when I did, I almost wanted to give them a hug or <laughs> shake their, shake their hand um, really, really strongly and, and thank them. Uh, but the reality is many people don't do this well. And it's not something that's relevant in just a, a career fair context. We could run into anyone um, in any sort of networking situation and that skill set, that ability to deliver value proposition is really important.
1: That's really great. So what about from a personal standpoint? I know that you've told me that people often describe you as a great networker. So what is it from your own standpoint that's made you a great networker?
0: Yeah, I appreciate you asking, Natalie. And it actually takes me back to something you said earlier in this episode, which is the the word connector. Um, and it's funny that you selected that word. It's, it's one that immediately comes to mind when others are describing me. And I think it's an ideal descriptor for us both in reality. The recognition came really early for me in college. I became involved in numerous student organizations and academic programs, and I really started to link people up uh, before LinkedIn helped to facilitate this process electronically for us. My first job was a recruiting coordinator position at a large professional services firm, and obtaining that position was largely the result of making these sorts of connections. I started a student organization with a group of girlfriends who were all accounting majors, And as I engaged in a conversation about my interests with the recruiters from the firms at our events, with my elevator pitch in hand, one of these recruiters said, you know, we sometimes hire recruiters right off campus. Send me your resume. And I thought to myself, okay, this is going into a black hole, right? Well, several months later, I was packing up my SUV and driving off toward the Big Apple. I guess technically New Jersey, but close enough. (laughs) And having my story ready was really critical to landing that first job. And several others over the course of my career. It's actually the first piece of advice I share with job seekers and aspiring networkers. Joy, I'm glad you mentioned the
1: importance of a value proposition, or as we're going to talk about it right now, the elevator pitch. This is the first element element of networking, and we're going to discuss that now. So you've all heard the story that you need to be able to make an impression if you get on the elevator with a leader at your company or a prospective employer. The actual elevator situation rarely works out for people as planned. So today, Joy and I are going to break it down into two parts. They are two commonly asked questions that you should be able to answer, which are, tell me about yourself and what do you aspire to do?
0: That's great, Natalie. First, you actually need to know how to respond when anyone asks you, tell me about yourself. You really wanna have a response crafted for a range of people. So it could be multiple responses in in reality. It could be for a new colleague, a leader at your organization, a prospective employer, or someone you meet in a social setting. It's very common to feel like a deer in headlights when someone asks you to talk about yourself. So let's simplify it a bit. I personally like the ones that follow the model um, of an elevator pitch or self-introduction, and that's the present past future model. So number one, the present being what you do currently, that is student, accountant, or, you know, in Natalie's case, um, manager. Correct. You could get even more specific than that. Much more specific than (laughs) that, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And the past should really be a micro summary of relevant jobs or experience your conversation partner may care about. And the third, or the future, is really a call to action. I'm excited to learn more about you. Tell me more about what you do. Or, it seems like we have some mutual interests. Would you like to meet up for lunch in the coming weeks? The whole response should really last no more than a minute. The key is to generate just enough interest so that your conversation partner will be curious enough to ask more questions. Natalie, what would you say if I just delivered my elevator pitch off the cuff and then we broke it down into the various pieces afterward? That sounds
1: great because typically
0: that's how you deliver your pitch completely on the fly. All right, well, let's give it a go. So for purposes of the pitch, let me pretend that you are someone associated with the agency I may want to complete some of my counseling hours with. All right, let's do it. Okay. So I'm Joy Schwartz, first of all, and I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed the video on your website. And I also wanted you to know that I am really passionate about coaching others through life and career transitions myself. In fact, I think that's informed uh, quite a bit of my career trajectory, And currently I work as a talent development manager for a large semiconductor manufacturing organization. Um, And the part you may be more interested in is that I'm also pursuing a master's in counseling psychology, and I plan to complete that in May. I started my career as a recruiter for a large professional services firm. And I also had an opportunity after that to transition some of that knowledge into a role at a university career center as a career coach. And then that role, uh, while pursuing my MBA in parallel, led to my current role as a talent development manager in uh, the semiconductor organization where I'm now employed. And I love the opportunity to coach employees and leaders on how to be more effective on the job. While we're engage in conversation, I would love to hear a little bit more about uh, how the counselors on your staff establish a presence in Dallas. Fantastic. Now we'll turn back to be Joy and Natalie
1: of the podcast, not of the elevator pitch. So I thought that was really concise and crisp, Joy. You laid out your present, your past, and your future, but can you break that down a little bit for our listeners today of each of those elements and what, what that means uh, to you in each of those parts?
0: Sure. So I started, even before we get to the formula, I started by making the connection to the person I was speaking with, right? So I had viewed a, webs- a video on the agency's website, uh, and I made a connection with the individual I was connecting with. So I think that's important before kind of chiming into the who I am and why should you care about me. Uh, with the present piece specifically, I talked about my current role. I also talked about my educational path, which was the part that was probably most relevant to her. And perhaps most importantly, I had a little bit of a introduction or a tagline, this, I'm passionate about coaching others through life and career transitions. And that was really meant to kind of encapsulate me in a a short statement that would drive some interest from my conversation partner. Fantastic. And then
1: you blended in your past experiences a little bit in a a really nice chronological
0: order, right? Yeah. And I think even with more practice, I could have done that more smoothly, right? Uh, But I talked about starting my career as a recruiter and- where I would have liked to have gone is established how that desire to help students get the job changed to wanting to help students identify and prepare themselves for the right job. And that was my reasoning for joining the University Career Center as a career coach. And, you know, certainly the MBA and executive coaching certification that I earned at the same time would have been a nice addition there uh, to call that out more clearly. But I think the point is we're talking about the, the trajectory and how all those things connect. And then at the end, I tied those experiences back to my current role in the way that I have the opportunity to coach leaders and employees on how to be more effective on the job. Fantastic. And I loved how you had a clear
1: call to action at the end of your pitch as well, because so many of those times you can get in that elevator and you have a nice moment together and then it ends and there's really nothing that goes from there. It's a handshake and nice to meet you, but you had a nice way to sum that up. And I think everybody should have a, a way to think about that at the end of their pitch is what are we going to do about this
0: conversation we just had? Absolutely. And that's a nice way to frame it. And my point in asking that question was really twofold. So first it allowed me to obtain, and, and let me, before I go there, let me back up and remind everyone what the question was. I asked, can you tell me more about how the other counselors on your staff establish a presence in Dallas? So again, going back to the points. Point one was allowing me to obtain some information that would be useful to me in eventually establishing a, a small client base. And then two, um, based on the way the question is answered, it tells me about how much support the agency would be willing to offer its staff in identifying clients. So knowing that even though this uh, opportunity is going to be a much smaller piece of what I do in my life, uh, it was still really helpful to me to understand and perhaps even more helpful to me to get that additional information. And I guess uh, one additional tip I'd I'd like to offer on kind of this tell me about yourself is is to not feel like you need to answer that question on your own. One of the things Natalie and I often talk about is that after you've answered this question enough times, you might either get really good at it, or in some cases, it might feel really boring. (laughs) And the suggestion we have for you is to just always keep your pitch fresh um, and partner up with someone when you're crafting it. You know, Natalie and I use each other as thought partners in this regard. You may want to talk to someone who knows what you do really well, so a best friend, your spouse or partner, your mom, um, and have them tell you tell you how they would answer that question. Their insight might be exactly what you need to keep your pitch updated. Partnering up
1: is super important, Joy. I think about my husband on this one a lot. He's an engineering professor, so what he does is very technical, and it's somewhat hard to understand, especially when he's talking to his engineering colleagues. But I, in layman's terms, have become very comfortable telling people what he does, and it's easily understood. So make sure you've got this for various audiences. Make sure it's fresh, and make sure that people who don't do, who don't work in your industry, understand what to do. Joy and I actually did this when we started this podcast. We wrote one another's profiles, and we used this past, present, and future model without even thinking about it. It's a great setup for an introduction of yourself. So once you've covered off this portion of your pitch, the second question you always need to be able to answer in this scenario is, what do you aspire to do? My best advice on answering this question is to be committed. Even if you aren't sure what your ultimate aspiration is, you need to be convincing And personally, I'm someone who's in a position to hire associates frequently, and I'm much more likely to help someone if they have a very, at least a very general idea of what their ultimate career goal is. And why is this so important? In general, people like to be helpful. And if you can come to me with a fairly clear picture of what you want to do, I will be much more compelled to help you connect with people in my network who might be able to help you get where you aspire to be
0: this is so true natalie you know in my last role as a career coach i strongly advise students to be clear about their interests and the ask of their networking conversation partner the person on the other end of the pitch is really looking for a call to action or closure at the end of that conversation or as a segue just to keep the momentum going you need to be able to respond if the person you're speaking with asks how they can help you and based on the conversation interaction you have with that person or just based on what you know about them from the research you did prior to meeting them, you definitely wanna be prepared with what they can do to help you. Here are some suggestions or some thoughts. You could ask, are you aware of anyone in your network who might be able to speak with me about their career? What advice can you offer me as I continue my career with the organization? Can I reach out to you in a few months to discuss the progress I've made in my networking efforts or maybe in your job search? What resources did you find useful over the course of your own career? People do love to talk about themselves, and the more you engage in this practice or your networking efforts, you will find it. But don't force it, though. Simply because you met someone at a cocktail hour doesn't mean they need to be your new BFF. You can leave a conversation simply happy that you met them and that you enjoyed the five to ten minutes you spent with these people. For some who are on the more introverted end of the spectrum, that might seem like torture, but over time, it really does get easier. And for the people that you didn't set any additional follow-up with, you know, a simple follow-up thank you email or a customized LinkedIn request would be totally appropriate after the interaction. And as for those you set up specific plans with, we'll cover that follow-up a bit later. Joy, I'm
1: really glad that there was one obvious question missing from that list, and that is, can you get me a
0: job in your organization? (laughs) Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked that question. I guess that falls under the networking don'ts or networking gone wrong. And it probably goes without saying, but we'll reiterate it anyway. That's not an appropriate question to ask in a networking context. I don't know that it's an appropriate question to ask in any context, even in a written introduction or or written connection request with someone. I think all the the groundwork that we're laying out in terms of establishing that foundation of trust and perhaps what you're about to cover next will get us there. That's exactly right. Because
1: now that we've got the foundation covered on the the pitch and the appropriate questions as a follow-up to that pitch, we're going to move on to the next practice, which is making things personal. I don't know about most of the listeners, Joy, but I know I have a lot of friends. I have 445 Facebook friends to be exact. And as far as professional connections, I've lost count because I'm in the LinkedIn 500 plus category. How about
0: you? I'm in that category as well. D- don't ask about my Facebook friends though.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Joy's not a frequent Facebook person, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I, I get really worried, Joy, because the more connected our world becomes, I think, I think the less personal it feels. Uh, it's worrisome to me and it's where I'm going to issue our first challenge to our listeners today. That challenge is to start getting past hello and to get to know the people around them. I channel my small town roots when I feel myself getting disconnected from those around me. I grew up in a town of 600 people, 600. Can you imagine that joy? Not at all. Cause you graduated with probably 600 people in your high school. About that many. Yeah. Right. Right. So think about that. 600 people in oh, sorry. my, 600 people in my class. Yeah. In your class. That's in my whole town, <laughs> my whole town. So they knew on, on a daily basis when I was growing up, they knew what was going on in my life. And honestly, it really hasn't changed much in 17 years since I've moved away. Um, so on a daily basis, I really try to think about that small town. I challenge myself to get past the hello, how are you doing? And to really understand and get to know those around me. When you make things personal at work, you're gonna find yourself connecting more with your coworkers, perhaps driving morale, engagement, and performance in the process. In my role in client management, getting past the transaction and into a relationship is crucial to our success. Our clients are more likely to pick up the phone, respond to an email. Heaven uh, forbid bid forgive us if we make a mistake, or grant us some additional access to their organization when we form this personal relationship. And this also works outside of your job. When you make things personal outside of work, your quality of life improves because you care about your neighbors and you care about your community. So, Joy, what's your take on all of this make-it-personal
0: business? So, well, first, thanks for asking, Natalie. I'd say my perspective is a little more nuanced. You know, on the whole, I actually feel like technology is a tremendous enabler when it comes to networking. Where I wholeheartedly agree with you, however, is in the groundwork we need to lay on the front end. I have zero qualms about reaching out to acquaintances in my LinkedIn network with whom I've invested in getting to know on a personal level initially. And it may not be as deep as some of those small town roots you have perhaps some of my connections are a little bit more surface but i think what's most important is that through joining professional organizations getting involved in the community um, and again getting to know people on that in that personal context in our day-to-day work are really important when it comes time to cash in on one or more of the members of our network in thinking about the mindset that i take when it comes to networking i'm actually taken back to a training demo i participated in during which the vendor asked us to describe our approach to influencing others. One of my colleagues compared herself to a freight train, and then I said, well, then I'm more like the food and beverage car. (laughs) And and everyone laughed in that situation, too. I can imagine. Another colleague facetiously commented, oh, so you like to get people fed and liquored up before you go in and ask for what you want. There is a bit of truth in there, but the reality is, when I've taken the time to get to know people on a personal level, their educational background, career history, and family situation, and vice versa, it makes it much easier to approach future situations with positive intent. So hopefully by now, we've established enough of a case for making your networking efforts personal. So Natalie, how do we make all this actionable? That is a great point, Joy. Here is where we start to give out homework.
1: Yay! Yay. Oh, we didn't even plan that. Yay, (laughs) homework. I want each of our listeners, I want you to think of five people that you see on a regular basis. This is either virtually like a friend on Facebook, Instagram, or a LinkedIn connection, or someone in real life. These are my favorite examples. The person who is at the coffee shop at the same time as you every day, but whose name you don't even know, unless you've heard the barista call it out. Uh, When I volunteered in a high school youth group at church, they referred to these casual acquaintances as, hey, friends, you know, hey, how you doing? You say, great. So I want you all to commit to reconnecting or introducing yourself to these people over the next two months. Pick five of them. Here's a quick self-check or a list of questions you can use to determine how effectively you've established a personal connection with these individuals on your list. So here are questions Such as, do you know the name of a significant person in their life outside of work, a family, a friend, a spouse, a significant other, where they would say they are from, their top passion outside of work, a hobby, a pursuit, a volunteer activity, their primary role model in life, or perhaps even their career aspirations? So use this exercise, this homework, as a way to form a deeper connection with some of your hey friends. And you never know, they might turn out to be a lifelong friend or a colleague. That's true. You know, something funny about this joy, I delivered this networking presentation to my husband's engineering class a while back and assigned them the same homework of five people. And my husband being the tough grader that he is actually made them follow through with that. They had to submit the list of the five people that they talked to. And I told them they could use me as their excuse. I said, say, Hey, this lady came in to talk to our class and assigned us this homework. And It turned
0: into a lot of bar conversations on campus from what I'm understanding. That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, leave it to Rob to actually make it a legitimate homework assignment. Absolutely. I love it. Well, before we close out this podcast, I just wanted to take a quick minute to recap what we've covered with you. First, we made the case for why networking is important, whether you're undergoing a career transition, seeking clients, or building relationships at work. Then we talked about two questions to be prepared to answer when networking. The first was tell me about yourself, and the second was what are your career aspirations or interests, or what do you aspire to do, both of which can be answered using customized versions of an elevator pitch, leveraging the present-past-future formula we presented. And then finally, we hit on the importance of and how to get personal with your network. So thanks for listening in, and best of luck in your networking efforts. And be sure to check out future podcasts of The Collective Voice on iTunes. This is Joy Schwartz and Natalie Siston with The Collective Collective Voice.